All right. You ever get up somewhere and forget what you're going to say? Yeah, I'm having one of those moments. I just want to say thank you to uh, Reverend Master Mark Barlow for allowing me to be here. Um, he holds that over me quite often. I've known him for oh numerous years, and some of those years I uh, want to forget it. <laughs> now it's been great. Thank you all for letting me be here. Y'all are just friendly bunch of folks. Um, made me feel welcome. I just want to just say thank you all. And it's really cool how the Lord works. I've been going through First Timothy at our church as well, and I got a hold of uh, Reverend Mark over there, and uh, he was uh, telling me, hey, he's going through First Timothy too. I said, well, bless your little heart. I said, First Timothy is not an easy book to go through, especially for the um, overseers, elders, pastors, even for the deacons. Because the letter that uh, Paul wrote to Timothy on how to run the church for the most part and to instruct the, the pastors over there. So he's going to do a lot of time talking about himself. So pray for him as he does that, as he gets further on. And he says, well, I'll be, I'm going to end in verse 11. You want to just pick up from there? He says, yeah, I can do that. I can go from 12 to 14, which we're going to do today. And I entitled this Forgiven. Talking about being forgiven, and when I think about being forgiven, I think about what Jesus has done. How far he has brought me. You ever think of your past and see what a horrible, rotten person you were? And how Christ has changed you? Now, I would refer to myself as, I don't know if I can say this, but a turd back in the day growing up. Um, I was uh, doing my own thing, doing what I wanted to do. Now, I never grew up in a uh, pastoral family. We just went to church. And I went to church going to uh, uh, Pentecostal-style churches. I had that upbringing. And then one day I went to a... Oh, I'm coming apart up here. These wires. I love them. Anyways. But even though I went to church, I still didn't fully understand everything what church was about. And I showed up because mom and dad made me go to church. When I got into high school, I just didn't bother going. I didn't fit in with the cool kids for some reason. But... uh so I didn't go. I didn't go. See, the Lord saved me about, oh, when I was almost 20. He saved me when I was about 20. Prior to then, would I say I was going to heaven? I'd be like, I don't know if I was good enough to go to heaven. Because that was my mindset. You know, I'd pray the prayer. Every Sunday, Jerry would say, Give that gospel presentation. They repeat after me, and I do that. And you know what? I think that Sunday was saved, and the next Sunday I wasn't quite sure because of everything I've done in my past. Like I say, there's a lot of things I'm really embarrassed about, but I also see how God has brought me from there to today. So I see that as I, as I reflect on my life, I see that evidence of salvation. We, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit and how the, the Spirit displays that fruit. It's not us doing it. It's a spirit doing it through you. However, if there, are there any farmers in here? Anybody till ground or anything like that? I'm going to use an illustration then about farming. See, when you, when you go to plant a field, there's work that you all have to do. You have to get it ready. You have to water it. Basically, you have to cultivate it. And what God calls us to do is do our part. Get ready. And he will display that fruit. And I see that through Paul's life. 
Paul had a, had a great uh, ministry going after salvation, didn't he? Probably one of the best. Probably is the best. And today we get to reflect a little bit on his past and how God has brought him. So today we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. And I'm off by a page. And it says, I thank him who has given me strength, Jesus Christ our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to service. Though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now, I remember preaching this passage many, many years ago when I went through college. And I uh, actually made it all the way through verse 17. I don't know how I did that, but I did. But I preached this a uh, few months ago. And one thing I didn't touch on was verse 11, but we need to look at verse 11 briefly so we can understand what kind of he's going through here. Verse 11 says, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. So we see that Paul was entrusted by God with the gospel of salvation. God used him to be a keeper of that gospel message and to be a spreader of the gospel of Jesus. And I like Paul. I like, I, I really like Paul and his ownership. Paul owns the gospel. For he says in Romans 6.25, it says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for ages ago. It's the ownership Paul took. Paul knew the gospel. He took ownership of that. He wanted to own that. And he wanted to spread that. He received salvation from Christ. He knew it was Christ that saved him. And now Paul's going to kind of talk about that as we look into our passage we're in today. So as you look at verse 12, we get a picture of Paul's conversion. Uh, in Acts 9, Paul was on his way to Damascus to persecute the church. Now I believe he knew of Jesus. A lot of, a lot of folks over there knew about Jesus. And the works that he had done. But Paul had no faith in Christ. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So anyone who followed this man, Jesus, was not of God. Because Jesus was just another guy. However, we see that God called Paul unto salvation. While Paul was on his way to cause harm physically and spiritual harm to the church of believers. It is the calling of God that saves a person. From spending eternity in the wrath of God. See, it's not complete separation from God who spent eternity. It's in his wrath. In his wrath for all eternity. We see that God has called Paul not only for salvation, but also for the service of the Lord. And that's why he starts off by thanking Christ Jesus. And he calls him our Lord. Talking to Timothy. That he, as well, serves Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Basically, he's ruler over their lives. When you refer to Jesus as Lord, you're saying he is my master. He is my Lord. It is him who I'm going to serve. The text also tells us that Paul is thankful for the strength through Christ. Or some translations say enabled. It's only through Christ 
that Paul could do the ministry he was called to. It is through Christ that he has the words and the wisdom to save and to do the things that he needs to do. He is spiritually strengthened to endure hardships that he will face. Paul keeps his focus on the source of his strength, and the source is Christ alone. It's it's almost like when, when one cannot do something, the Lord then fills in for his glory. I remember sometimes I'm being put on the spot uh, and I don't have the right words because I hardly ever have the right words to say. But I do remember at times when, when, when sound doctrine has been challenged, I felt that Lord just speak through me because if it wasn't him speaking through me, I'd say something pretty unintelligent on occasion because that's just my human side. But when it's coming to defending the faith, it's amazing that power that he gives you. Because what I like to do is I'll, I'll talk, 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 kind of like Mark does. No, I'm just messing. I'll talk all the time just to kind of make up for that awkwardness. But during this time, I said what needed to be said and I shut my mouth. And that was all that needed to be said. And that was through the Holy Spirit leading that conversation. I've had that other times as well. It is, it is amazing just to have that testimony of God working through us. So he's going to help you at the right time. It might not be your time you want it on, but it's on God's time when you have the gospel to defend, when you have Christ to defend when it's being challenged. And it's not for my glory. It's for him. It's for him. Because I want people to know him. I want people to know his truth. God gets the glory. And... uh, I see that God's got a sense of humor, too, when he puts people like me in ministry. Paul's also thankful that the Lord judged him faithful or considered him trustworthy. The Lord equipped Paul for service he called him to do. Paul was entrusted with service. He is worthy of that trust, and he kept that trust. Paul devoted his life to the service of the Lord and lived to serve the Lord He put his personal needs aside. How many of y'all can do that? Put your personal needs aside and totally commit. Boy, my flesh really struggles with that. I want to make me happy. We have to lay that aside and focus on Christ. Through all this, God placed Paul into the service of ministry, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Greeks or the Gentile nation, whatever y'all want to call it. See, God works in ways that we humans can't fully comprehend. It is the Lord who qualifies people for ministry. For some of us, we don't think we're qualified for the position that the Lord has called us because our past limits us. Y'all ever think about that? Well, I've done this in the past. I can't do this. Prior to salvation, we all get this idea, well, how is God going to use me? I'm already torn up. I'm already broken, bruised, bow-legged, whatever y'all want to call it. We limit ourselves. We truly do. I've seen God work miracles in people, even in myself. I remember working at a place called Blue Rock, where we uh, would distribute uh, uh, Pepsi, beer, and wine. So in that, in that area, you don't think you'd find too many Christians, do you? No. But there was one guy by the name of Ron. I really respect him. He was... Uh, a good Christian man. 
And I was kind of new to the faith. And he kind of helped me see certain things. And another guy worked there. D.C. was his name. Good, good friend of mine. And he didn't have any faith. But after Ron working on him and me, the Lord got to D.C. And he could minister to those people there. That was his calling. So he was working where he, well, he was working for a company and yet working for the Lord. Trying to get, and he was just a salesman. He, uh, he took my old job of uh, selling Pepsi products. So God does great things when we just listen and do what he tells us to do. We also see in, in verse 13 of our passage, we see that Paul wasn't qualified uh, because of his past. He tells us, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. Now the first thing Paul calls himself is a blasphemer. Uh, it means irrelevant uh, towards what is held to be sacred. Is what blaspheming means. A, a, a great example of this is in Acts 26, verses 9 through 11. And it reads, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priest, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them, even to the foreign cities. Not only did Paul blaspheme the Lord, he encouraged others to do it. He wanted them to discredit the Lord and his saving work on the cross. He wanted them to deny the works of Jesus Christ on the cross. It pleased him to vote to have the early saints executed for breaking the law of Moses, of Moses, which he did not fully understand. Even though he's a great Pharisee, he didn't fully understand the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, it was a mystery. They didn't fully understand it either. So he stuck with that teaching that man put his take on. See, in Paul's mind, one was saved through the law of works. So he'd say, either convert to my religion or die. And y'all, it's going to happen soon. I'm not sure when. Now, we're blessed to be here in America, to have this freedom to worship. But I believe one day, things are going to get worse. And you stand up for the gospel and be willing to die for him. And something the world might be doing to us is, um, deny Christ. However, I do not think those that are truly saved could deny Christ. If one could be convinced to blaspheme the Lord after salvation, then I doubt they truly had salvation in the first place because of the spirit he gives you. Even if they've been a believer for many years, and in some places, people just come to church just to check off a box. Well, I've been to church. I did my good deed for the week. Oh, I did an even better good, gooder deed. I, I went to prayer service and church, so two thumbs up for me. But that's not the right heart of a believer. 
As I said before, I, uh, I had to go to church. Now I tell my kids, I've got two boys. I said, you get to go to church. You don't have to go, you get to go. And the next thing Paul tells Timothy is that he was a persecutor. This word persecutor means a person who participates in a systematic hunting down of inherent or particular religion to inflict pain or death upon them. We can see that Paul went to certain people just to hunt them down and stop the spread of the gospel. He was tracking down and hunting those who were following Jesus Christ and his teachings. You ever track down a big white-tailed buck around here? We got any hunters around here? Yes, we do. Now, I'm not much of a bow hunter. I don't have the patience. I prefer to send hot lead to them. <laughs> but when you're hunting, now, white-tailed muleys are just a little bit different. Muleys are dumb, especially during rut. They'll stand there and look at you like, what's going on? Whitetails, if you, if you step on a little leaf and it crunches, they're gone. They are gone. It's like, well, you're going to have fun tracking that one. Well, he crossed the fence. I can't go after that one. So we can see, we can use that example as, as Paul actually pursuing these. He knew where the Christians hung out, kind of like where people know where the deer bed down. They want to get up early. They want to get in their tree stand, if you all have tree stands. Or they want to just park their truck like I did and just kind of wait there and then just open the door and get out and hope they come to me. Because I don't like dragging deer either, so I'm just kind of lazy like that. I've had to drag them too many times. But, uh, so we see, see Paul, he knew where they were at. He was going there, he was tracking them down. He was hunting them because he wanted to stop the spread of the gospel. And we see that in, in Acts 8, 1 through 3. Uh, and, and there he rose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made a great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, dragging off men and women and committed them to prison. Paul, called Saul, was purposely seeking them out and causing harm. What's the best way to do that? Threaten them and kill them. Just don't threaten them. Just go after them. Uh, Acts 9, 1 through 8 also tells us, But Paul, still breathing threats of murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any that belonged to the way, meaning a believer, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Did he have an agenda? Yes. He had an agenda. He wanted you to go to Judaism or die. That's it. He wanted to bring down those who followed Jesus. The final thing that he told Timothy was that he was an insolent opponent or a violent person. It means a person who is characterized by their offensive, uh, disrespectful acts or statements that are outrageously bold, forward or bold. Paul fits into this very well. It's just like the other two. He was rude. He was forceful with the tasks of, of uh, stopping the gospel. He used violence and threats to get his point across he pushed people into seeing that his way was the only way, his way was the right way, and there is no other way. Again, leave the teachings of Jesus or die. So we see, so what kind of a person was Paul? Not a good one, right? 
Not one I'd want to hang out with and play Atari with. He, he, he's one I would avoid. Because we couldn't have that conversation ever. See, he spent the first part of his life trying to stop the spread of the gospel message. They were horrible acts he committed. Even though he did these things, the text tells us that he still received mercy. The Lord, in my mind, should have made Paul spend eternity in hell. He deserved it. In my human mind, he deserved it. But I don't have the mind of God, and I'm so glad I'm not God. I would have struck myself down years ago. See, the Lord had great plans for him. The Lord showed him mercy by saving just one person because no one in here deserves to spend eternity with God, do they? Not one. Nobody does. We all deserve eternal separation. We all deserve damnation for eternity. He shows his mercy and grace by saving at least one person, doesn't he? That nobody deserves it. We see that the Lord called Paul unto is that saved him and called him unto service, used him, and the greatest thing that he did was forgave his past. He forgave him, no matter how horrible of a person he was. The reason why Paul received his mercy is because the text tells us that he acted in unbelief. Acted in unbelief. Now, Paul was not excusing himself. He wasn't making an excuse. Well, but... No. He wasn't excusing himself. Paul was a very educated man in the law and was a Pharisee. Philippians 3, 4 through 6 tells us, If anyone else thinks he has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. See, in the eyes of the world, he had it all together, didn't he? He was like top dog. In the eyes of the Lord, he failed miserably. He knew about Jesus and the work that he had done, but had no faith. He did not understand the things that he was teaching while he was a Pharisee. And we see all these things he did prior to saving faith. And it had a negative effect. He did not teach the gospel. Rather, he persecuted those who did. The church. And after his conversion, the disciples wanted nothing to do with him. Nothing at all. However, they chose to listen to the Lord. Acts 9, 10 through 16 tells us, Now now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said, go to, Lord said to him, go, 
for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry the name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Did Paul deserve that kindness? Absolutely not. My human mind says, no, he doesn't deserve it. But God says, I've got a plan. I've got a plan for him. And this is how I'm going to use him. Now, he might not like it all the time. He spent a lot of time in, in, in prison. But we see that God is the one who saves. God is the one that gives us that grace and mercy. God displayed that to Paul. And the Lord had a plan for calling him. And I'm so thankful for this. We see that God is the one who changes hearts. It's only God who, I can't do it. Reverend Barlow can't do it. We're only called to preach the word. And pray that the spirit changes hearts and lives. And it takes all the pressure. Even all y'alls. Your job is to spread the gospel, right? Are we awake? Yes, we're awake. To spread the gospel. Are you called to be pastors, teachers, evangelists? Who knows? Some are, some aren't. But you're called to service. So that takes the pressure off y'all and puts it back on God where it needs to go. See, I want to do the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to save y'all. I want to save everybody. But I can't. It's not my job. That's his job. Our job is to be faithful. Is to be faithful. And let the Lord work through us. He is going to work through us. Because he's called you unto salvation. He's going to equip y'all for service. And I like how he ends this. The grace of our Lord overflowed with me for the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Again, the Lord gave him grace that was abundant. I can't even imagine that. The Lord chose to call him and save him. It was through faith that Paul was saved. And the Lord continues to build that faith in him. With that faith, the love comes as well. Without true faith, is there true love? There's not. Because we get this this Western mindset, and everybody has this mindset too. Uh, We love conditionally, don't we? Our sin nature loves conditionally. If you all do this for me, I'll do this for you. But is there any way we can please God and get that unconditional love? I can't. We can't do nothing to earn it. He gives freely. He gives it freely. But with faith, can we have a, a gooder understander of that love? Yes. Yes, we can. See, this love that Paul received from the Lord, he extended to love to other people. I, 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 when we say love, I, I don't mean the whole uh, unicorns and rainbows and Skittles. Well, maybe Skittles. But it, it's, that, it's that love that you're not going to accept sin, but you're going to love them and show them the truth of the gospel. Because you're going to call a sin a sin, and you're going to hold your ground, but you're not going to fight over small things. We just kind of have to, well, I disagree with that view of eschatology or whatever. Well, that's all right. That's all right. So we, we learn that love over time. And I remember when I was uh, first saved, I was, I was so headstrong on some of the dumbest things y'all could think of. When we talked about disciplining with the rod, oh yeah, I had a rod. <laughs> no, that, that's what I thought he would say, you know, get a rod. And I actually had an argument with one of my friends. 
No, it says discipline in the correct way. Yeah, I know, but what about the rod? So you see how we can get off on these really small things? And is that worth arguing over? Absolutely not. The, the, the things to argue about are the foundational doctrinal faith. The, um, the work of Jesus Christ and his saving grace. And I got way off. I'm sorry. How much time do I got, Mark? Two hours. Two hours. Oh, good. <laughs> no. So, so I just, I'll just jump in. It don't matter. Right, so Paul gave a glimpse of his past, didn't he? The worst of sinners, he calls himself. And yet, the Lord still called him and saved him. His past was against God and against the church. God displayed his mercy and grace to Paul. And he still does that today for us. The Lord desires us to call upon him for salvation. There's no work on your part to receive this free gift. It's a matter of heart. Your past sins won't hinder him from saving you. The cool thing about that is he'll make you a new creation. You will be new. It is faith in Jesus Christ that saves. It is that belief in him that saves. A prayer does not save you, nor does confession save you. It is faith. And we always hear that we must ask him into our lives, into our hearts, and forgive us of our sins to be saved. This, of course, is done through prayer. This is not found anywhere in the Bible. There is no sinner's prayer in the Bible, I've searched. There is no sinner's prayer. The prayer does not save. It is that faith in Jesus Christ that saves. The prayer is that result of salvation. It's that result. If one says they prayed and were saved because they prayed, then they just admitted it's a works-based salvation. This is why I say a prayer, that prayer of forgiveness as a result of salvation. There must be a heart change first. The Holy Spirit must come to you, convict you of your sin, bring you to your knees, and you see what a horrible person you are in front of a holy God. And that's what he does. You ever look at yourself and compare it to God? You feel about this big, maybe even smaller. See, once one is convinced, one is um, saved, they drop to their knees and seek God. Now, if you don't have that relationship with God, I encourage you to examine your life and call out to God for salvation. And I read a sermon by Charles Spurgeon, and one passage he talked on was Isaiah 45, 22. It says, look, look unto me, and ye be saved, all the ends of the earth. Look unto the Lord. Look unto him. And of course, with that salvation comes that natural response to repent as well. It's believe and repent, isn't it? That repent is to stop following your way, turn around and follow God. And that's what y'all need to do. Is stop following the world and follow God. I mean, if you, if you don't have that relationship, I encourage you to seek after the Lord through his word. And understand him more and ask him to speak to your heart. Now, for those of y'all that are, have a relationship with with Christ, 
I imagine there's a number of people in here that do. You believe that he called you all for service? Everybody's got a job to do? Okay. Are you fulfilling that calling? Y'all fulfilling it? Doing what y'all need to do? As believers, we are to be in the Word daily and in prayer with Him. Yes, even Sundays if you go to church, be in the Word. Even after Sunday. Even Monday. Not a bad way to start a Monday off, is it? We should be seeking the things that please Him. We should be living up to our calling for Him. For some, that's teaching. Serving, giving, showing mercy, compassion, leading. I look at other guys in our church, I say, boy, I wish I had that kind of compassion that guy has. I wish I had this. But God didn't call me to do that. He called me to do something else. And to work on my compassion, of course. I need to do that as well. And I like to encourage people when I see that gift, keep it up. So I'm going to be really generic if keep using your gift. Not to bring glory to yourself, but to use that to show others who Jesus is. You can do that through serving. You can do that through setting up tables and chairs, whatever you all do. At your job, you can be that light. You can work in a beer factory and show Jesus. You need to be living up to your calling. You see, the church is alive. And, and, and in... Um, Statement of face, they call it. The best word we have is organism. It has a function and a purpose, and it lives. The church is alive. It lives. It's an action. It needs to be doing things. Meeting Sunday mornings is great. You get sound teaching from Reverend Barlow. He'll equip the saints for service. And what we're all supposed to do is go out there and do ministry. Because beyond those doors, you all know of unsaved people? Yes. And that's the greatest mission area right there. Now, in, in, in my home church in Winter, South Dakota, we are not far from the Rosebud Reservation. We are right there, 20 miles away. And even in our town called Winter, there are people who don't believe. We don't need to send people off overseas or to uh, homeless shelters unless they're called to do that. A lot of our jobs is right here, isn't it? It's right here to be that light. And it's up to y'all and me to spread that gospel. So I would call on somebody, could they tell me what the gospel message was? What is the gospel message? Anyone take a shot at it? This is the response I normally get. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. The best thing that I tell people about the gospel is that I said... Go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is the best, the most put together gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 15. It says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the words I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you the first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day with accordance to the scriptures. That he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive. 
though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and the grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. The gospel message is so simple. To present. Christ died for our sins. In accordance which was foretold long ago. He completed it. That he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day. According to the scriptures. Not only that, but he proved himself to be alive. We don't serve a dead God. Muhammad's dead, right? All those other guys are dead. You can find their bones. What about Jesus? No. He has risen. And y'all, that's, what, that's, that's our foundation. That is what we are to build our theology off of that foundation, that faith in Christ. That he saved us through his works, which was foretold long ago. I want to just encourage y'all. Spread the message. It's easy. There's your homework assignment. Spread the message. Not only through words, but through acts. They say, and I really don't like doing funerals for, for some people because I say, what was their church life like? What was their relationship with Jesus? Well, they never talked about their faith. But they were a believer. They came to church. They had a good heart. How can you be a believer and never talk about Jesus? Do you have that ambition to talk about him? Because a believer will talk about him. They won't be afraid to talk about him. They're not ashamed of the gospel, Romans 1.16. They're going to live it. They're going to show love. And while you're showing love, you're going to present the gospel. So take that time. If the Lord's putting it on your heart when you're talking to somebody, don't be afraid. Just say it. Say what needs to be said, even if it's hard. What's the worst they're going to do? Unfriend you on Facebook? Send you a nasty instant message? Is that truly persecution that we're worried about? I believe so. Some are. Don't be ashamed. I want to encourage you. Look at what Paul did. Look at his life. How did he repent? I mean, he made a huge turn from persecuting the church to building it up. Y'all are called to service if you're saved. I want to encourage you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before you and we just thank you so much for this time we have. Lord, you gave some great examples of your servants in the past. And Lord, we, we see the work that you can do because it's what you do, not what I do. It's about you calling, you saving, and you equipping. And Lord, our responsibility is to respond to that to be obedient to your word, to do what it says. Lord, it's not always easy, especially in this day and age. We have our priorities mixed up. We, we put the world first and put you second. Lord, I just pray for each one here that you continue to equip them, that you continue to encourage them, that you continue to use them. And Lord, being a follower of you isn't easy. You promised persecution. And Lord, you're going to see us through that. Whether we have to live through it or you take us. But help us to be faithful servants. 
Help us to stay true to you and not, and not sway on what we believe when it comes to sound doctrine, sound teaching according to your word. Help us to abide by it. Help us to show your love. Lord, we need you more and more. We can't do it on our own. Lord, I pray for this church that you continue that work that you started. And Lord, I lift up Mark as well as he's leading this, this congregation. Lord, I just pray that you keep giving him the wisdom on how to handle the things that he needs to handle, how to lead the way he needs to lead, Lord. Lord, you've done some great things through him already that I've seen. Lord, continue that great work. Give him the strength that he needs because, Lord, we, we need that that comes from you. We can't do it on our own. And that's the same for the church, Lord. Give them that boldness. Take away that spirit of fear. Help us to stand for you, no matter what the price is. Lord, I just ask for your, your guidance upon this church. In Jesus' name, amen.